You are listening to LGR Reviews on the Let's Get Ready Network. On this network, we talk about the movie trivia showdown, the first class league, sports, Star Wars, movies, TV, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show. It's perfectly fine. We were not dancing to that intro. Speak for yourself. I totally was. We were like, I feel just... my like tushy cheeks yeah. getting down on my chair. That is the most awkward thing I've ever had to think about. Uh, I'm like, oh, oh I'm pouting again. Oh no. Hi guys. Welcome to uh, LGR Reviews. We're going to talk uh, what if episodes one, two, and three. Oh my gosh. What a, what a show. I mean, I kind of, I'm a little sad that it's not live action, but I don't think live action would serve this. It's too amazing. Yeah, it's great. The budget, <laughs> if they were to try and do this in live action, would be billions of dollars. More money yeah. than yeah. there's ever been spent on anything. And I hear jangling. That's my dog. Hello, dog. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what no. his name is, but Her. heretofore shall be known as Captain Jangles. Sydney. Hello, Captain Jangles. Sydney had her first cameo on LGR Reviews. What up? She's so- backjacking real quick. She's like, wait a second, there's a camera? <gasps> Need this food instead. Um, so, legit, we uh, we had a lot of fun. I, or at least I could say that I had a lot of fun watching these three episodes. Um, I watched I watched the third one yesterday, and I think thus far is probably my favorite one of all three. Um, yeah. So, what do you like? Let, let's talk about the first one. You know, we had Captain Carter. Uh, it was real fun, and we figured out what her variant moment was. Yeah, we're gonna refer to everything as variants because. Oh, bye. See you later. Oh, are you getting the pop? Yeah, you're getting the pop. You know, nexus event. Yeah. Well, like I mean, yeah. Her her nexus event was literally saying that she would stay in the room instead of moving. Yeah. And so instead of getting, you know, the normal Captain Captain America with, um, yep, there it is, there it is, with, uh, awesome. yeah, with, like, so many things changed just because of that one moment. Um, and, like, Steve didn't obviously become Captain America, but instead he became, I mean, what do they call him? What was his, what was his handle in that? Hydra Stomper. What's that? Yeah, the Hydra Stomper. I really loved it. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Thank you. What would I do without you, Maxwell? Um, there there were actually two changes. Someone to on that this little... earth actually needs me? Wow. There were actually two changes to that little timeline before the so-called nexus event of Peggy choosing to stay in the room, which was everybody was in the room to begin with. Mm-hmm. They were all upstairs in the first Avenger. And then there's a bit of that conversation between Steve and Peggy before that moment that isn't in the first Avenger either. So I thought it was interesting that it was already different. A lot of this uh, show is written by AC Bradley. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a fan of hers. She will write for 
Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunters and Tales of Arcadia series. There's a bunch of different ones on Netflix that all sort of converge. Um, so she has a lot of experience writing animation. Um, and that definitely is a handy skill when you're trying to tell what could be a far more complex story in the 30-minute runtime. Um, yeah. I was a little thrown off at first with this first episode, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Um, certainly, I think Captain Carter is an incredible character, and I hope this is not the last we've seen of her. I would even take a, you know, a resurgence of the Agent Carter TV show, but in this timeline. Um, but they basically go beat for beat through the first Avenger movie, but they just twist it so it's Peggy instead of Steve, and then different things happen to Bucky. And... I almost forgot after Loki and WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier that there's a different way animated television is written and a different way facts are relayed. So it took a little bit for me to adjust to that. Um, and it is a lot of story crammed into 30 minutes. It goes like yeah. through everything. So there are some montages and some action beats in this first episode that are incredible. But the storytelling was a little off for me. But I do want to watch it again Uh now having reminded myself oh yeah this is an animated show and you could say it's for children but once we get to the third episode not so sure it's quite for children yeah <laughs> no they've really flipped it by the third episode i will say i feel like this was the way you know it kind of made me think of plugging something into the wall you know how sometimes you have to move a little bit slowly because the plug is kind of adjusting to the socket that's kind of how i felt i felt like we were adjusting to the show um because, you know, it's a completely different idea across the board. And you are correct. They do write differently for animation. So we got an easy story to, to kind of ease us into, like, the way that this is going to work with What If, rather than, you know, our live-action-based dramas and things. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I like the fact that you get to see, like, there's it's really even a different, you know, a, a different Red Skull. He wasn't trying to just harness the Tesseract for energy and power. He was trying to fully bring out this wild creature. And it's, it was something. Um, I, I, well, oh no, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say um, one of the other really interesting things about this show is it's sort of a, flip of a coin uh, if the voice actor is the actor who's played the character in live action yeah. or if it's not. Um, so Haley Atwell is playing uh, Peggy and then you have someone else playing Steve. But for Red Skull, we have Ross Marquand doing the voice who actually took over playing uh, Red Skull in uh, Avengers Endgame. He's a brilliant impressionist. I remember when I first saw Endgame, I was like, oh, wow, they got Hugo Weaving back for one scene. And then when I did research thereafter, I was like, no, 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 that's The Walking Dead's Ross Marquand. So he does a fantastic job with the voice work of Red Absolutely. Skull. I will say it took me a little bit to get used to Josh Keaton as uh, skinny Steve Rogers, as they credit him. He definitely has a similar tone to his voice. But when you have Haley Atwell as Peggy and then someone else playing Steve, my yeah. mind was like, wait, what's happening here? And then that sort of manifests itself a little bit in other episodes, which we'll get into. But... Um, yeah. Even the actors they didn't get back for whatever reason, the voice actors are like really spot on once you can get over that hurdle of realizing, oh, yeah, that's not Chris Evans. Yeah, because I want to say it's always the first line where you hear and you're like, OK, that's not that's not Natasha. That's not that. That's not Steve. 
uh, that's definitely not Thor. And you're like, what is happening? But then once you kind of, it's, it's very quick over the hump because they capture the characters so well. Um, I was very impressed by all of the people they got back for the show. Like Stanley Tucci came back as Erskine. Uh, yeah. You know, like Sam Jackson was like, yeah, I'll do a cartoon. It's cool. But Sam Jackson is in basically everything. And yeah. he's, he's your, he's your Marvel superhead right now. Um, like, it's Sam just, Jackson it was, will, will star in a commercial for your popsicle stand if the price is right. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, Mr. I was in every single Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, no, he's in six of them, not all of them. Oh, six of them. My bad. My bad. I mean, to say the least, he was uncredited in Kill Bill Volume 2. But that's so. one of the six that I include. I'm aware. The piano you player. know what? We're not playing movie trivia right now. So. <laughs> I don't play movie trivia. That's not something I do. No. no not at all. <laughs> but... So I think one of the, or some of the biggest notable pieces, obviously we got Captain Carter. Um, she's instead of, you know, Captain America, she's Captain Britain. She's British. Um, she, yeah, I liked, I liked her, um, her Union Jack, the Union Jack riff on the classic dope. cap yeah. um, outfits. Really good. Yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, we also, we got only a couple of minutes of, uh, What's the the character uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character from the OG? We because I think he gets killed in like the first scene, unlike in the movie where he stays alive. Yeah. So we we ended up with uh, with Bradley Whitford's John Flynn. So that was a little bit different. It was a very it was a different role to play. Um, and he was of course as misogynist as ever. Uh, well, he, he was exactly cool. like he was in the Agent Carter one shot. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it. It was perfect, and he was exactly what you expected him to be. Um, we we see them rescue Bucky, and Sebastian Stan gets some really great one-liners. Absolutely expecting that. Um, we see Steve actually go down during the train heist instead of Bucky, so that was a very interesting one. Um, and Red Skull takes and imprisons Steve, and he gets his Hydra Stomper uni back and helps take them out. It was it was very interesting, and then of course Peggy gets sucked into a portal, fighting whatever that squid beast thing was. That was and, dope. Yeah, it was really dope. It was really cool. Um, and then she even, pops out. Yeah, oh, yeah even go. though I had some issues with like a little bit of the writing and character choices in the first episode, just because it felt so rushed, the animation and the action sequences were top notch. Um, yeah. Just really next level, beautiful stuff. Absolutely. Um, she she pops out seven years later at the beginning of basically what would have been the Avengers. Uh, comes right out of that portal with uh, Nick Fury and Clint Barton. And she she makes exactly the face that I would have made if I found out that all my people were around 70 years ago and I just made it through a portal. But she's like... And then she just turns around and I'm like, I want to give her a hug. Oh my gosh. There was just a way that the, the emotion got captured and I was like, oh, wow, okay. But it was it was really well done. Um, like, like I said, I think this was the shortest of the three episodes. I think it was about 30 minutes-ish, which is what your standard TV episode is. Um, it was very it was very intriguing. And like I said, it, it's exactly what I would expect something to feel if you're inserting yourself into the material. It's material we knew, but... 
you know, we just kind of slowly ease in and we see how they're going to do the, you know, they're going to phase into this new set of stories. Um, you get, you get to hear, we, we didn't even mention, mention Watu, um, the watcher, uh, Jeffrey Wright has such a great voice. I yeah, love listening to him talk. Um, and I love the way that he brought about this. Like, I, I love the way that he narrates the story, the way that he, the, the way that the character tells the story. I mean, obviously he didn't write it, but the narration is well written and then well put out into the show. Um, and I like how he's like, there, there it was. That's the moment. And I was like, ha, that's how I would do it. Okay, perfect. Um, any, any more comments on episode one before we move on to episode two? I sort of have an overall comment, but maybe I'll save it for the end. Okay. Uh, my my favorite part of the episode was playing around with uh, Bradley Whitford's uh, character's misogyny, which is when he kept telling uh, Peggy that she was lucky to be in the room, and then it got flipped after Peggy talked to Zola, and she told him, you're lucky to be in the room? I really enjoyed yes. that. I, I literally was like, yes, queen. Like, I, I think I started quietly yelling because people were asleep in my house but that's what that's what happens generally yeah. speaking um maxwell any thoughts yeah i mean look uh i like any narrative storytelling that deals with misogyny and feminism head-on and peggy carter has always been one of the best feminist characters in the mcu um her show in particular agent carter which i wish it lasted longer and i wish more people would see did such a great job of dealing with that dichotomy. And so as a fan of that show and of the character, this episode was a nice peek back into her world. And it just makes me wish, like I would love more either, whether it be Captain Carter or Peggy Carter stuff that takes place during the war, um, like in between when Steve goes in the ice and comes back, there's, I feel like still so much story they can mine. And as yeah. we see now with the MCU there, more and more comfortable diving out of chronology, even like with Black Widow, which is only a couple of years ago, is still coming out this summer, but takes place prior. Like I would love to see a Captain Carter or a Peggy Carter movie. Um, I still think Haley Atwell and the character have a lot of story worth telling. I agree, fully agree. In fact, um, me too. For her, for her to have been, you know, the director of Shield for a bit. Um, for all the things that she did in that hiatus. And then of course we know it's another timeline, but still there are a lot of Cap and Peggy stories. And I wouldn't, I mean, I understand that, you know, Chris Evans is pretty opposed to coming back, but I think they were apparently in talks about him coming back for smaller things. Um, I am not opposed to this being a cartoon. I'm perfectly fine. This is great. This worked out perfectly. Um, give me, give me that celluloid animation, baby. Like if it means that we're continuing a good story, absolutely. Um, moving on to episode two, which was, and I quote, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord or a Star-Lord? I mean, there's only one Star-Lord. So if Peter Quill's not Star-Lord, then T'Challa is the, so all I'm saying, uh, what, wow. Um, the moment you heard Chaz Chadwick Boseman's voice on screen after everything that has happened in the last year, I think I teared up. I did. I, I Maxwell was there with me. Of course, we watched it in Zoom. I, you, you remember? Did I tear up? I think I did. I was just like, 
we both definitely got yeah. um i don't know mm -hmm. if you can see but i have yeah you can i got chad as as Tehala here on my wall all the time um i still you know i think his loss is still fresh for a lot of us you know it's it's weird when you like mythologize uh just a human that you don't know that you've only seen as an actor but he was so young and so talented and was taken from this world so soon and I feel like getting to hear him play this character one more time was a gift. I didn't even know I needed. Um, yeah, for sure. And even though it is in the context of what if, and it's, you know, a different timeline and, and stuff like that, it still felt like a little bit of closure on his character in the MCU. Um, especially when Ludwig Göransson's now, I would argue, iconic score kicks in about halfway or two thirds of the way through the episode, oh, yeah. when oh, yeah. the world of Wakanda makes its way into the episode. I was so hype. Um, yeah, it it it's a really special episode. I, I think that you know, if in a different timeline on this Earth, if Chadwick were still alive, I don't know if it would have hit the same way, but that's how it hits. And so it adds this whole other emotional texture to what on its own is just a really, really fun episode of TV. Like I know people give Chris Pratt a hard time. I'm keeping politics out of it. I like him as Star-Lord. I think he's a blast. Yeah. Um, but man, T'Challa as Star-Lord was fucking dope. Like he made Peter Quill look like a loser. <laughs> it's true. Um, So it's one of the things like, the most important piece, the, the episode is dedicated to Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, you can't glaze over that. Um, it is the last thing that he did, it, you know, while alive. So it's very special. We have, and he's not only in this episode, he's in more episodes than just one. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have him preserved in our memory as Star-Lord T'Challa, which is dope. Or Cha-Cha, depending on, depending on, like, you know. Oh, when Nebula called him Cha-Cha, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Nebula, yes. Like, and I had to look and make sure that that was Karen Gillan. And it was, and it made me so happy. Uh, um, Nebula with blonde hair. I, yes, yes. Blonde hair Nebula. I was like, uh, oh, God. I Love want it. it. Give it to me now. Marvel, you know what to do. You've already done it. Just let mm -hmm. us see Karen Gillan in live action with that blonde hair, please. Yes, exactly. I know she's a redhead in real life, but she could do it. She could pull it off. Although I do, you know, do have a bit of a thing for redheads. So what can I say? Redheads are dope. But dope. So, basi so basically going over, you know, what happened in the, in the episode. Um, 1988, the Ravagers come to pick up, you know, Peter Quill, a.k.a. Ego's son. However, however, if, like... Yandu instead sends Kraglin and Taserface, you know, the sitcom yeah. members of the group, yeah. to go to go pick up his kid, or <laughs> and instead they take T'Challa. Um, and twenty years later, he he goes through the entire thing where he goes to steal the the Power Stone, and <laughs> freaking Korak, Korak, I'm Korak. like. Korak was one of the most amazing moments of this entire episode because he was fanboying so hard. It was killing me. Well, like, I, lo just, I loved Korath in this. I thought what they did with him was so fun. And I bet Jimon had such a good time getting to do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I All I know is that 
Like legitimately, and, you could tell they were having fun. Well, the juxtaposition between what actually happens in Guardians when when Peter Cole's like, "I'm Star Lord," and Korath is like, "Who?" <laughs> As opposed to here, where it's T'Challa is Star Lord, and he says he's Star Lord, and Korath is like, "Ah, Star Lord!" He, he doesn't even get to say Star Lord. Korath just recognizes him when the the mask yeah. comes off, and he freaks out, and it's so funny. So good. It really is. And no joke, the poster for that episode, like they're really gorgeous posters. This one says, is your destiny determined by your nature or the nature of your world? And I had to think about that for a moment. It's like really, it's really interesting because, you know, T'Challa and, and, you know, Peter Quill are completely different people. And you can see that in how their iterations of Star-Lord ended up. Um, you know, T'Challa reforms the Ravagers. They're, they're literally following Robin Hoodisms. Like, I'm just like, what? They have I, I, Thanos? I, I love the part, though, where Yandu called uh, T'Challa's childhood hero Robin Leech. Oh, yeah, that was T'Challa funny crashed. as hell. But, like, they've, they've turned Thanos, who spends most of the episode trying to justify the fact that the snap wouldn't have been genocide. It was, I mean, honestly, you can only go, I I guess you can only go so far with Thanos because he's cracking up and having a good time. I feel like Josh Brolin must have had so much fun recording this dialogue. Like every time Thanos was on TV, I was cracking up. I was like, oh my God. Like, because I didn't hate Thanos as a villain. I thought he was actually an essential villain and he was perfect for the series. Thanos here in cartoon form justifying murder the murder the muck duck of people i was just like what is happening and he's just having a good time with it um so i mean and t'challa recruits korath uh they decide to go steal an artifact belonging to tanalir tivan aka the collector the collector has filled this vacuum that is now left by thanos because he's been turned by you know star lord t'challa and now he's like this big, built, you know, still voiced by Benicio del Toro, but definitely, I don't know, he was like, he was jacked. Um, and, and they basically try to offer the orb to him to get, you know, to get the embers of Genesis, which will literally eradicate hunger. It's these little seeds and whole planets, full agricultural system. Wish we had that in real life. Um, it ends up being Katrina taking the glove or, or Karina, not Katrina. Um, and all of the black orders working for Tivon. It's like, yeah. I don't, it, most of this episode was just like, it was pure fodder for somebody that has seen guardians of the galaxy and Avengers infinity war. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And it's so fun. And like they, so there, there's deception, there's there's adventure. It's great, and then the very last scene, like I think, what is it? He's uh, Thanos is sitting at the table. I think my favorite part of the whole episode, he's sitting at a table talking to uh, to oh gosh, to Okoye, and he's telling her about genocide again, and she goes, "No, that's genocide," and Nebula's like, "Dad," like she's just sitting there holding her head. I was like. I've had that moment. I know that moment. I do it every time my family says block. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, please stop. You're embarrassing me. But 
I mean, it, like everybody gets freed. Oh, it's great. It's good stuff. So, and whoever did the drawings of the collection, like the collector's whole collection, they obviously did a great job and they clearly are on point with their side referencing because I have never seen anything that looked more like the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout queue. Yes. Or the queue looked like that. I don't know, you know but it was beautiful. They're, they're, you know, a lot of people now will lament the notion of fan service or Easter eggs uh, and complain that in some cases that stuff gets in the way of actual storytelling. But I think with the MCU and what they're able to do with the show, what if is it's specifically for people who have seen all 20 plus of the movies. Like yeah. this, this second episode, for example, the jokes, the visual references and gags are only going to hit if you've seen all the movies and yep. you know why seeing Thanos try and justify genocide or why seeing Corvath as part of, um, the guardians hanging with them. It just, it hits a little different if you're, um, if you're familiar with, with the movies. And so, yeah, there's a lot of fan service and a lot of Easter eggs, but this is like the perfect context to have it as like a supplemental animated TV show on a streaming service. They can have their cake and eat it too. And it's really fun. I feel like I want to go back and watch these again because there's undoubtedly more, gags, jokes, visual references, little beats that I couldn't possibly have, have gotten the first time. And also, I want to go ahead and say the director of this episode is Brian Andrews. Um, he's heavily involved in a lot of, you know, in a lot of these beautiful, you know, shows and things. Uh, he, he contributed to the Clone Wars. Um, he also, he's a storyboard artist as well and did a lot of work for Doctor Strange and for Avengers Endgame. Um, like you've you've got to hand it to him for capturing that feeling that you got when you were watching Guardians because I felt like I felt like it was this perfect meshing of Guardians, Black Panther, and Infinity War Endgame to where they took everything, combined it into one nice like mishmash of stuff, and made it super fun. You you literally and then, like, they, they end the episode with Ego finding Peter Quill. So hopefully we will actually get to see that story. Yeah, it seems to me like they're sort of setting up um, whether there are things that are going to happen in later episodes in this season or stuff that may happen in a second season, which I think is already being worked on. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, okay, so in this second episode... T'Challa's Star-Lord, and thus the question is what happens to Peter Quill? So then we see Ego going to get him. Now there's this whole potential story they can explore with those characters that I hope we get to see. Um, I think this is a good time to talk about my, my larger point. Um, like, oddly, I have found that three episodes of this show has had me feeling very existential and philosophical, because so much of what the show is about is if one little thing happens differently the entire universe crumbles or if not crumbles unfolds in a drastically different way. Maybe that's no more prevalent than the third episode, which we'll get into, but like the notion that you don't matter or I don't matter, which is something I know a lot of people struggle with their validity, their worth, their place in the universe. This actually does these silly episodes of a superhero cartoon show had me thinking about that. Like if I walk out the door at 1101 instead of 1102, the entire trajectory of not only my life, but the entire universe could shift. Call it the butterfly effect, call it what if, whatever you want. 
Um, and so, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it or, or overthinking things, but I found some comfort in knowing that like everything you do and every action you take and your mere existence is important because you are one of the many things that are keeping things on the axis they're meant to be on. And by the same token, if you do something wild or you decide to be spontaneous or you make a different choice than you might have made, you could alter the entire course of human history for the better. It's true. It's true. It's something to think about. I mean, especially considering that most of the time, and, and I mean all of us, we, we go through every day concerned with how we feel, concerned with how others feel around us, or not at all. It doesn't, you know, depends on who you are. Concerned with our comfort and concerned with how we're going to get through the day. And if you, you know, you never know, and this is something that I'm going to build on that, you never know what, what little action you could take that could affect others, that could harm others, that could end with, you know, someone else's or your own, you know, pain or demise. You never know, like down to even just a, an entire trajectory change of their life, of your life. I mean, I've said it a bajillion times, one tweet got me to being on camera here. So you never know, like if I hadn't sent that tweet, we would be in a completely different place right now. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it all comes down to the idea that, you know, one small change, one mistake by two sitcom actors in cartoon form could completely change your life and take you from being, you know, Earth, earthly royalty to one of the greatest heroes the galaxy's ever seen. And yeah. regardless, T'Challa is one of the greatest heroes that we've seen in the MCU, not even depending on what role he plays in the MCU. It's very clear that T'Challa was just a better character. And it's really unfortunate that we're not going to be able to see him again in human form, in the form of Chadwick Boseman. But I mean, I could go on all day about that. We all know we all mourned him. It was devastating. And we, it was really hard to find out when it happened that it had been a thing for a while. So yeah, broken heart, hardcore. Um, but any any thoughts about anything fun from the episode? Because I could talk about, you know, Cha-Cha and um, like, I, Thanos all day. I, I loved seeing uh, Tavon in Hela's headdress. Oh my God. Like, how so did funny. he get that? Like, did he kill the goddess of death? Like, how? So many questions I had about that. I, but, oh my God, I want to know. I know. But he looked hysterical in the headdress. And, and it was so great. The, and he did the, the hand motions just like she does. And it was, it was so great. I thought I mean, the way Benicio were... played uh, the collector overall was just a lot of fun. I saw some people online going, that wasn't Benicio. It was Benicio. It totally was. It totally was. Like, full credit and everything. Like, we, we got basically everybody. I'm looking at the list right now. I mean... We didn't get Drax. Drax was we didn't, Batista. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, the voice of Drax, let me see if I can find him, was Fred Tatascuri. Uh He also did the voice of Corvus Glaive. Um, but we got Carrie Coon again as Proxima. Yeah. Um, we even got, like, uh, the girl that played Karina, Ophelia Lovabon. She was in it. Green, uh, yeah. Seth Green is Howard the Duck. We got the Chris Sullivan. The cameo was great. It was awesome. We got Chris Sullivan as Taserface. I mean, the reason why I say, you know, Chris Sullivan and Sean Gunn are like Sean Gunn being Craglin uh, are two sitcom actors. We got Gilmore Girls and we've got This Is Us. So, you know, NBC, yeah. Um, <laughs> not even their movies. Gosh. We got John, John Connie. 
who played T'Chaka in the movies. He played he played T'Chaka. He voiced him. It, it was it was beautiful. I, and for a moment, I was very unsure of whether that was Michael Rooker, but it was. Yeah. Michael Rooker, the man who will be in every James Gunn project ever and basically now has work forever if there are more cartoons. Yeah. Let, um, let's see I some also, more sideways dimensions. I also want to note uh, they have put out full albums for the score by Laura Cartman for both of the first two episodes, and I assume they'll keep doing that each Friday. Um, and they're really, really good scores. Um, she's getting yeah. to compose some really fun stuff. So, so we'll find out tomorrow, and we'll have more to more to report in about three episodes. Um, did we want to move on? Do we have any other commentary? Any other fun moments from the second episode? Because I think the third episode was my favorite. It was mine. Too. It also had me like. Um. Any anything, guys? No, so. I'm ready to dive into. What if? what if the world, the world lost, lost its, its mightiest, mightiest heroes? heroes? The wildest episode. Um, and the poster is literally in this in this universe as in any as every other hope never dies, which is very ironic considering because we find out that it's actually all because hope died. Yeah. Um, so basically over the course of a week and we get the title cards for, for everybody who, who gets taken out over the course of a week, Nick Fury's, yeah. Fury's yeah. big week, just yeah, much different. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's basically the rundown of Iron Man 2, uh, Thor, the first Thor movie and the Incredible Hulk movie that, that, that universal monstrosity that we barely talk about but sometimes have to watch because it's part of the 22. Yeah. Um oops. I I do love the fact that Mark Ruffalo finally got to play the Hulk in that movie by accident. I love um, that they made it look like Mark Ruffalo too. Yeah, precisely. Except I think the Hulk looked more like the Hulk from the movie and less yeah. like the Ruffalo Hulk, but yeah. it was still great. It was so great. The Ruffalo. Um the Ruffalo. So in the first the first couple of minutes, you literally like Tony Stark drops dead on the floor and you're like, what? What? Yeah. And 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 Thor gets shot by Barton. Like it's literally a kill list. And we find out that it actually, actually really is. Um like look. It's a mess. Captain it's Carter, so great. Captain Carter on its own is like as a character is probably my favorite thing in the show so far. But this episode to me was next level in, in terms of the two episodes that came before it. it. It in some ways it reminds me a little bit of like Watchmen. Um, yes. Very it, noir. Yeah, it has a very that, and that's what I loved about it. I loved the mystery. I love the notion of a superhero serial killer. I loved the 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 day of the week title cards. Um it was just it was so compelling. I would have watched a full feature length movie diving into the story. And I loved the way, you know, I said in the first episode how it was like events from the first Captain America movie but different. This was similar but by having these little vignettes of each of the characters, Tony, Thor, Bruce, etc. 
and going back to those movies in the first phase of the MCU and seeing things almost exactly as they unfolded, but then one little twist that causes the characters to die in increasingly violent and shocking ways, like Hulk's death. Holy crap. I was, I was, like, and I'm watching it and I told Maxwell that I was watching it because we were hanging out talking and he goes, just wait, just wait. And I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Whoa, what the hell? And your boy just like, like that's a lot of green everywhere. I just, yeah, I, I wanted I, to I see just, splatters of green, so I didn't get that, but it got a big well, splatter. It, it went, it went pretty like for an animated thing, and this is rated TV fourteen. I think it went pretty intense. This is like not for young kids. No, no, no. I don't know. And there we started this off the- saying that this is for kids, but no. <laughs> There is something about the tone and storytelling choices and, and overall construction of this third episode that really, really vibed with me. And I really loved it. Um, and then, you know, and what we can go more specifically into details, like the reveal over who was behind it all was so satisfying. And then when it reflashed back to the deaths of the characters and you saw how the culprit did what he did, it was such yes. a great um, montage. You can, now you can say it. It's a spoiler it's, review. It's, so. Hank, it's Hank Pym using his Ant-Man technology. And to me, what happens with the Hulk finally lends credence to the fact that Infinity and War and Endgame would have been non-existent if Ant-Man had just crawled up Thanos' ass and grown from the inside. Because we <laughs> see that that'll work as we watch Hulk explode into green gas. Well, Thanos could have exploded into purple gas if well, but Scott still, Lang hold on a had moment. just anted up. He, but he like threw something at Hulk's heart. He didn't actually hit. Like he, he wasn't actually there. He got out of there. Either way, Ant Man right. Scott, Scott Lang was the key to defeating Thanos, and he just listen. He didn't want to get up in that ass. I mean, Infinity War still would have happened. He was on house arrest. True. Yeah. Well, Endgame could have ended quicker. I mean, he was on house arrest until he decided to go into, you know, yeah, go to the quantum realm. But listen, he learned magic. He played the drums. He cried while reading the Fulton Our Stars. He had a wonderful time. I will still say that that post tag on Ant-Man and the Wasp probably freaked me out more than anything because of the emergency, like the emergency tone. Like I was sitting there and I was, I literally went like so heavy anxiety because I'm from Louisiana and that tone played for every hurricane. And we're talking like the direct hit hurricanes, not the ones that were coming near you. No, if that tone played, you were were fucked. So I was like, "Ah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I like wanted to get out so bad. And I was sitting at the very top of the theater with like six friends. And I'm like, (laughs) like six friends. Wow. I hate you so much. Why are you like this? Um, I don't have six. I don't have six friends to go to a movie with, so I was impressed. Wow. Anyway, um, so but the big thing, and like I said before, you know, hope never dies. Well, the reason why all this was happening was because Hope Van Dyne died. She was killed in line of action as an agent of Shield. And I I loved that sort of like Easter egg too, because if you listen to what Fury says, he she died near Odessa in Ukraine. But if you go back to Winter Soldier, that's where um, Winter Soldier had shot Natasha 
when she was escorting that engineer out of Iran. So yep. it makes it sound like in, before Natasha was recruited, Hope was that person for Fury and the Winter Soldier killed Hope on that mission, which I thought was a nice Easter egg. I'm glad you caught that because I didn't catch it. And I think that's amazing. Uh, that's absolutely freaking wild. Like, and note that Pim was not Ant-Man. He was Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket, yeah. So that's very important. He was Yellow Jacket. Um, Fury proposes a, an alliance with, you know, our Lord and Savior, Loki. Um, so yet again, I, I, I'm going to quote Maxwell on this. Tom got the assignment and, like, exceeded. Like, yeah, he was I said, on I said that yesterday when Amber and I were talking about it. I was like, in anything Marvel has asked Tom Hiddleston to do as Loki, which is now, I would argue, more than they've asked any actor in the MCU to do. Yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam Jackson. Yeah, but Sam Jackson's always doing the same thing. Yeah. Hiddleston's That's played fair. various different versions. Of yeah, my, my point yeah, is that in, even, even, even in each Thor movie, he even though he's still Loki, he's like a very different Loki. We see him at such drastically different parts in his life and his journey that he always has a different personality. And then obviously in the TV show, it different. And the, so he just gets the assignment. There's nothing he can't do as Loki. And so to see like villainous Loki then team up with Nick Fury and then where it ends up where, oh, fuck, Loki is supreme leader of the world. <laughs> Loki's like, kind of rent the earth. Please return to this. I need to see. At yeah. least he finally got to be the leader. But um, I saw something a while back where it was like in every other property that Loki's been in, and there were six of them when it was movies. Now we have eight because we have an entire TV show, plus we have What If. Um, first, Loki would die. Then Loki would get the Tesseract. Then Loki would die. Then Loki would get the Tesseract. And guess what? Or like, so yeah, like it keeps going that way. And even in Endgame, Loki got the Tesseract and in Infinity War, he died. So what if, and or Loki and what if, like he didn't die in Loki, he got pruned, but he didn't die. And in, in what if he didn't get the Tesseract? So I'm like, Y'all are y'all are messing with me. Stop it. Why are you like this? Breaking patterns. I was like, I mean, I love broken patterns, but it like listen, he was the one he was the one that sold the show. Like fully stole it, sold it, all of it. Um, I mean, I was happy to see that Fury found Cap Shield. Great, perfect, love it. And I'm never sad to see Captain Marvel. Sadly, it's not Brie Larson. Um it basically was some of the most major characters. But uh, I have to say, Lake Bell is Natasha Romanoff. The that's first great. time she said anything, I was kind of like, uh, that's definitely not Scarlet, obviously. But then she continued doing things, and I was like, okay, she's capturing her perfectly. It was, like, spot on. So it was does still have that, like, slightly sultry, raspy breathiness to her voice that is, like, she the does. signature of Scarlett Johansson, so... And yet again, it was good to hear Clark Gregg back. Uh, hearing Clark Gregg talk as Bill Coulson literally gives, it gives me this warm and fuzzy, like you're drinking a hot, a warm cup of tea and you're just like sitting inside on a rainy day. 
Like, you just feel like you're wrapped up in a blanket. You feel happy. I, I have to it, say, I though, it did, it did make me mad what happened with Coulson. Like, obviously, he had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is actually a really good TV show that I wish more mm -hmm. people had watched and given the same attention that these, these new MCU shows are getting. But, like, Tony and Cap and all them never found out that Coulson actually lived after the Avengers. And I think it was a missed opportunity not to bring Coulson into Endgame in some capacity. Yeah, I um, So to see see him again in the MCU and it be Clark Gregg was really nice, but also brought back those old feelings. And I think that speaks more to the division that existed between Marvel TV and the MCU then. And now we don't have that same problem because now Feige is in charge of all Marvel TV as well. So all these shows are like hyper interconnected and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Sort of was like if you watch season one, like the episode that came out the same week Winter Soldier aired where S.H.I.E.L.D. Cr crumbled was huge. But as the show went on, it had less and less and less to do with the movies to the point where like the blip wasn't even mentioned because I think it was still on the air after Infinity. It, Infinity it was. Um, so and it was in the hiatus. Like, well, they I watched the whole thing, too. Um, they said that they were going to try to do something with it. But it was right after it was right after the the Doug Cameron what's his face I can't think of his name um, uh, where they had that giant battle and the the Earth was falling apart and okay, and it was after thing? yeah that and it was after it was after Daisy became Quake and she she basically breaks the world with her fist yeah. I mean it went off the rails let's just be real. I, I personally think, though, um, the last season was okay, and I liked the end, and I liked the fact that they brought back uh, what's-his-face from uh, Agent Carter, because I loved him. Susan, yeah. thank you. I'm not I'm not reading the Wikipedia on that one. Yeah. Um, I, like, I watched the entire series. I think my favorite season was four with Agents of Hydra and the framework. I know this just went off the rails again, but I had to cast her as, like, the head of Hydra, and I was like, Please wear that suit all day. Uh, I'm like, you're a beautiful man. I love you, Fitz. Get it. Um, also, the the actress that played Simmons just got married. I love her. She's adorable. Anyway, but yeah, no. Um, this this was amazing. I'm sad that like I'm I'm sad like you said that a lot of Agents of Shield couldn't be like worked into this. But it was good to see Coulson back again because we got him in Captain Marvel too, and it was like, oh, de-aged. Um. Yeah. But yeah, it's it was wild seeing that Hope Van Dyne was the agent. Uh, it Hank Pym was very angry, and I mean, it was already there. Hank Pym was angry in the movies. He was furious at Shield, but yeah. he had not become a bad guy. Yeah, I, I saw a take on uh, online that Hank hadn't become a bad guy at the beginning of Ant Man because he had his daughter, who he adored. And it was the fact that he lost his daughter that sort of drove him over the edge and turned him into the villain of this episode, which I thought. Well, was... right. And, and I mean, even in the movie, she's not there, but she's still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, to be dead, that's a, that's a whole, a whole dang mess. And um, I'm very intrigued by whatever, where, where's Janet? Is Janet in the quantum realm or is she just, yeah. I know that, I know we're going to see her in this season because she's definitely in part of the promo for the Marvel Zombies episode. So. I did. Wait. I did like the fact that Hope became a Shield agent to follow after her mother's footsteps. I did. I like thought that that, that was 
absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I mean, I, I loved it. And so let's, let's discuss overall take on the episodes. Um, how do we feel in relation to, to everything that we've seen thus far, how, how they've worked the movies in, how they've worked some of the TV shows in, what do you guys think? I really enjoyed it. I think they've gotten better progressively with each episode. And I'm really curious what next week's is going to be now, because that makes me very hyped for next week. Cause see if they can top this episode, which was so good. We get 10 episodes, don't we? Nine. I think we do. Or yeah, nine. nine. Okay. So that'll be perfect. Three, three, three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, guys, we just planned out our programming. There you go. Right <laughs> on air. Yeah. Um, Maxwell, what did you think? Yeah, I agree with the deal. Yeah, each episode has been successively better for me, um, with the third being the best thus far and something I could see myself revisiting quite a bit. Um, but I'm really curious to see what the other episode's about because, you know, we know some things and we don't necessarily know how everything is going to unfold. And interesting to see how these little teases or little, like, other what-ifs that are ramifications of this may come back in future episodes are they quietly and subtly crafting a larger framework that's going to reveal itself throughout the season or, or the series, or is everything really just going to be standalone? Are we going to see ramifications of this in live action, considering the multiverse is broken and continuing to be broken by all of these idiot Marvel characters who can't just live their life looking at you, Wanda and Dr. Strange and, Sylvie and all you people who are making these bold choices. So I, I don't know. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, it's nice to look forward to every week. Agreed. Um, I would go ahead and say like if I had clearly WandaVision and Loki are my top echelon of amazing Marvel TV. But I would go ahead and say what if is absolutely fantastic and it's a well needed break in what we've been seeing because and it fits right where it is, which is amazing considering, you know, what's been going on in the last year, the delay of programming for certain things. It's absolutely been wild. And we went for over a year without any Marvel, like major Marvel content on a big screen. So these shows have really sustained us and they've kept us going this year in 2021. Um, thank you, Disney Plus, for being so dope. Um but I, I will go ahead and say, like, something that kind of occurred to me is, you know, a lot of people are treating what if as though it's isolated. And, you know, it's a very isolated set of events that are happening. And the watcher is watching them happen. And he's telling us the stories. However, over the last couple of entries into the MCU, specifically, um, WandaVision, Loki, and what we're seeing in the trailer for No Way Home, it is very clear that a lot of big things are happening to unravel and fracture the multiverse. A lot of them. And we're not just talking about, you know, Wanda messing with the multiverse trying to find her kid that she created in Westview, or Sylvie killing He Who Remains and the entire multiverse or like the multiverse coming out of, you know, the one sacred timeline. But now we're going to see what that impact is in No Way Home. And I'm wondering if what if is less of an isolated series of stories being told 
or if we're getting the story and they're about to break into the MCU. Which really piqued my interest because what if we're not just getting these stories? What if we're about to get a whole bunch of people back that we might have lost? What if we're going to get new versions of all these characters? What if we're getting like variants galore? Yeah, I've already so, seen some people speculating that Captain Carter might show up in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, which I was like, I think that might not happen, but it would be really cool if it did. It would be really amazing. Um, honestly, I have, I have literally stopped speculating over what's going to happen in Multiverse of Madness just because oh, yeah. it feels like it feels like the MCU has been watching a lot of our shows and has said, well, Amber likes this stuff. So let's take it off the rails. Cause that's how she likes to be. Um, and it's, it feels like we're, we're not only going off the rails, like we're just deep end fully over the cliff, just, and nobody has any yeah. idea what's going on except for the people who are actually writing this insane rubber band ball of madness. Um, yeah. I don't think we'll have any real idea about what to speculate about for multiverse of madness until we see no way home. I will yeah, say this. I- you're right. The the timing of what if right after Loki is, is very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, like they could have aired Loki before Falcon and Winter Soldier if they wanted to. They could have done this and that and the other thing. But I think what if coming after the events of the finale of Loki are pivotal because I think although it's called what if I think what we are seeing is different timelines and different variants that are all happening concurrently in different universes. Oh yeah, and. Uh, are we going to see some of this bleed over into the live action MCU? Very possible. I mean, we've already we already saw a variant before understanding that they were a variant. If if you think about it, in the Endgame, Gamora, like mm-hmm. so, we've already we we saw Nebula too, and there were two Nebulas standing there. One shot the other, and she technically shot her past self, so she should have died there on the spot if everything would have worked the way that we you know no back to the future time travel to be but we all but in endgame they literally dispelled that they said it's not that it's completely different so the the mental mind fucks and gymnastics that they're going to to tell this story are absolutely amazing and i'm not a big comic book person but god i'll be damned if i didn't want to like bust out a comic book and just find out what they're going to do and have answers right now and i know i can't have that so i just need to be patient yeah. It's absolutely astounding. They are doing such a great job. And you can tell that they're really stepping up their game because they're way more tied in than they were even that. What what year was it like? Uh, what? 2019 when Captain Marvel and Endgame and Ant, or Ant-Man and the Wasp all came out. That yes, was yeah. basically back to back and you were done with programming for a while and then we didn't get anything for basically two years. Like... Game stepped up, done. Let's go. Or not Ant Man and the Wasp, but Spider Man. My bad. Yeah, Spider Man. I knew what I was trying to say. Ant Man and the Wasp was after Infinity War. Yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp was after Infinity War because we because we lost got there. But it was it was Spider Man. Uh and it's everything is just so amazing. And remember that last second? We didn't know that the last thing we saw of the MCU for two years was going to be of all the things. J.K. Simmons coming back and saying that Spider-Man was Peter Parker. And now here we are. It's like, how did we make it this long without answers? Yeah. Ah. 
So yeah, um, do we have any other commentary on these amazing episodes? Are, are we excited for the new ones? Uh, anything else that we want to put out into the ether? I'm so excited for the new ones. I didn't know how I was going to feel about this show because I'm not the biggest animation lover in the world. I just don't connect. I'm a facial cues kind of person, so I don't connect with animation the way that other people do. So um, I wasn't sure how I was going to like this, but I've, I've loved it so far. Yeah, definitely. Maxwell? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, every episode has gotten better and better. Um, it has me really pondering things I didn't necessarily expect I'd be pondering. And uh, it's also just like kind of dope and fun. And I, conversely to Adelia, I love animation. Um, you know, big fan of like Avatar and the Tales of Arcadia stuff I mentioned. And, uh, you know, other stuff like Rick and Morty. So I'm all for good animation. Gravity Falls. Disney does a lot of good stuff. The Owl House. So. Yeah, it, it's a natural um, succession for the MCU to dive into animation. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm surprised there isn't like, or is there? Is there like a Guardians of the Galaxy animated show? Because I feel like that's the perfect world for there to be. <clears throat> there has. I feel um, like there. Yeah, I think there is, but I don't think it's related to anything yeah, that we've seen it, in the MCU. Right. So, I see where you're going with this. It is finally a good time for them to bridge that gap. Oh yeah, there, and there was start 77 episodes of the Guardians of the Galaxy TV show on Disney XD. Woo. It just wasn't necessarily like in the MCU. Got it, got it. I mean, if I recall correctly, uh, that even got its own soundtrack, the Cosmic Mix instead of the Awesome Mix. All I'm That's all cute. I'm saying is like I'm excited to see more. I'm excited to get more fun and crazy things. I, I'm not even going to speculate about what we can get because the only thing I know we're definitely getting is like Marvel zombies. And I, oh my God, yay. Um, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so wild. But I'm, I know we're getting I'm, one with Vision, but I don't know what it is. But I, know I do remember Vision. seeing Vision and Wanda because I remember yeah. seeing Wanda, Wanda go uh, cosmic for a little bit. Um, I so I'm really really excited to see what the future holds with what if I think it's a lot of fun I think it's very interesting and you know we've been talking for an hour about this so yeah. Maxwell where can we find you there no 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 in real life where, where can we in the internet no, that's so play my tell me that's at Cinema Maxwell <laughs> And on and on Instagram, Cinemaxwell Inc. Right? Mm-hmm. He's Cinemaxwell on the TV, uh, or from the TV. Adelia, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adelia Chambo. Uh, running the Let's Get Ready Network social media stuff. That's all at Let's Get Ready Net. We um, have a website, Let's Get Ready Network dot com. Put up match reports from the Schmodown and First Class League, uh, editorials, features, news, stuff like that. And uh, we have Patreon, patreon.com slash LGR Network. If you want to help support the channel, we'd really appreciate it. Lowest tier is a dollar, highest is 15. Didn't go super crazy like some people do with their Patreons. Um, But we appreciate all the support that anyone was wanting to throw our way. Uh, Dollar gets you into our Discord where you can have all kinds of nerdy conversations with us, which a lot of people enjoy doing. 
we get oh, yeah. into some deep schmodown conversations in there sometimes. That is absolutely true. And honestly, I I love reading some of the things that happen in our Discord because it's always absolutely insane. But and don't forget, we, we also have a store. Please hit hit that store up. Uh, read all of our our amazing articles and things. It's absolutely fantastic. We love it. We love what we do. Um, we obviously put out a lot of content so we can keep you guys, you know, I don't know, having fun doing something. So shop, read, do things. Uh, yeah. And you can find our podcast feed everywhere. I'm not reciting yeah. them all. I'm not fair. No, as I can't Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, just search for the Let's Get Ready Network. You'll find it. Um, it's got movie reviews. It's got wrestling talk now. That started last night. Um, yep. So all kinds of stuff going on. Apparently, we, we have some really great guests coming up in the very, very near future on regular shows. I, I think this will probably drop on Friday. So that'll be fantastic. Yeah. And that means we have another show later today. Uh, we have great guests on the main Schmodown show. We have great guests on any given Schmoday. Um, we have great guests on the gold standard. Uh, we just, we put everything we have into doing all this. Check out Justin's really ridiculous handbone at the movies oh, <laughs> reviews. We've got one of those uh, coming up on Saturday for Don't Breathe 2. Oh boy. Um, the, uh, the trailer reaction for No Way Home, if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it and make sure you watch the whole way to the end because Justin is a dork. And Danny points that out straight to his face. But I'm not going to tell you what happens. It's great. No, it's um, fabulous. As for me, I am Takara Kanashi. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Stereo, Letterbox, Twitch. I should probably just memorize that as one word. Um, <laughs> I do the gold standard on Tuesdays at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. Uh, LGR reviews right here. We dro- we're, we're dropping those every three episodes for this lovely show and then i know that they we just dropped a bad batch review for the whole season so please check Mm -hmm. that out i'm part of the off rails or off the rails network with maxwell pj and all those fine people um we we just did a wonderful rebrand i know we're doing an unwind we just dropped an entire photo video of and like it's hysterical it's amazing um from our orlando vacation where it was me maxwell and pj or pj maxwell and i because i can english um so please do check that out it was posted on twitter tonight um because this is thursday not friday and then i hang out at video drew's network and i hang out at chris adams's network cine fanatics and whatever what have you i do a lot of different things i mod for them i tell garth to pick that name up at both of them because he loves to name drop I just do a lot of things so i'm always busy it's yeah so we're both always it's, busy it is too true like almost painfully true but thank you guys thank you so much for hanging in there while we talked about three episodes of awesomeness um we will see you again in like three weeks see you bye